You have by now no doubt seen the UN Global Climate Summit. COP is underway in Dubai and you've probably also seen the controversy over the United Arab Arab Emirates using its presidency of the summit as an opportunity to sell oil. So this is unlikely to be the COP that will see fossil fuels exit the stage. But it is the summit at which growing food in a time of climate crisis has for the first time gotten pretty close to centre stage. Tom Arnold is better placed than most people to assess what is happening here. An agricultural economist with a foot in the development camp since his time as chairman of Concern Worldwide and a foot in farming, having worked in the Department of Agriculture and more recently as chair of the Food Vision 2030 group. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Very well. Big picture question before we get lost in the weeds of COP first off. The next three decades are going to be humankind's stiffest challenge. Mm. Feeding everybody as the population hits Mm. 10 billion. Will we feed everybody or is that only a question that we can answer in 2050? Well, I think the record is that we we are successful in feeding people. If you look at since 1970, the population of the world has increased by two and a half fold. And yet the percentage of the world's population that are hungry has has decreased consistently. So that's the longer term context. But the climate scientists the climate tell us that by, by 2070, 19% of places that are currently inhabited are going to be unlivable and many of them uncultivatable. Yeah, yeah that's the big uncertainty in the future because I think if, if we didn't have climate change and its potential impact, there there wouldn't be any great difficulty in feeding a growing population. But we do now have to take account of two factors. We need to feed a growing population, which might reach close to 10 billion by 2050, and yet we have to meet another crucial climate target, reducing the temperature rise to less than 1.5%. 1.5 degrees. uh, Yeah. Um, how is the COP addressing this? Well, it's addressing it by very directly the, the fact that, as you said, this is the very first COP since ni- 1995 that the issue of food and climate taken together is is on the table. And it's put on the table by the UAE presidency. It made it clear at the, in Egypt last year that this, they wanted this issue to be centre stage. And they have worked very hard, I have to say, in the meantime. And this morning, uh, the Taoiseach will announce that Ireland will sign up to what's called the Emirates Declaration on Resilient Food Systems, Sustainable Agriculture and Climate Action. Now, that's a very big shift for the COP. And what it means in practice, if I may quote, uh, it means a commitment to expedite the integration of food systems and agriculture into climate action programmes and to mainstream climate action uh, across policy agendas relating to food systems and agriculture. Okay. That's, that's, a li- a, that's a little bit of a word soup. And I'd imagine yeah. that there are farmers sitting at home now thinking, oh God, what is this going to mean for me now? Does this translate, do you think, into something that has to be changed in our climate action plan? Or, or are we already abreast of this Emirates declaration? I think we're already largely abreast of it because we have two reg- significant national policies. One is the climate action plan of 2023. The other is Food Vision 2030. Taken together, if we implement them, we'll be in line with this Emirates declaration. But the critical thing is that, notwithstanding the words 
word smithing over this. Uh, the key thing is that 134 countries at COP have signed up to this Emirates Declaration. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a really big deal by comparison to the fact that before we weren't even talking about the issue. There is one key word in what you just said there. If. If we implement everything that we have set out for ourselves in Food Vision 2030 and our Climate Action Plan, how do you think we're doing there? I think we're, we're making progress and we need to make more progress and we need to be very clear that it's in our own national self-interest that we do this and I think we're, we're on the way to doing it. Uh, and if we can do that, we will really have the credibility to be a leader in this field because I see this progress at COP28 as purely a starting point. Uh, we, the international community is going to have to build on this and I think it's it's imp- yeah. it's going to build on it through the fact that in two years time Brazil hold will, the next the COP30 will be held in Brazil and Brazil are committed to, to very much to this agenda. Back to feeding the world. Um, The other big thing that has happened at this COP, they have agreed a loss and damage fund uh, that is to be used specifically for compensation after extreme weather events. Is this good news for feeding people whose harvests get lost to cyclones or storms or droughts? I think this fund will be very much connected to this issue because most of these countries are still largely dependent on agriculture and hugely affected by the the, 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 the climate facts, the, the, the cyclones, etc. So this fund is really, I think, important. Uh, it seems to have got more traction than maybe were, was expected. I think it's important to recognise that Ireland has played a key role in setting get setting up this fund. Damon Ryan was central to the negotiations both last year and this year to get it over the line. And it would it would should also be said, I think that uh, Mary Robinson, in her advocacy of of climate justice over the last uh, fifteen years, that sort of thinking has underpinned mm. uh, the establishment of this fund. So I think this is a good a good news story already coming out of COP. Do the COPs force us to try and? hold two different ideas in our head at the same time. One, that they don't work when it comes to doing things like setting dates for phasing out fossil fuels. But two, that they do make very big leap forwards on things like compensation, loss and damage. Because two years ago at the Glasgow COP, there was no way the world's leaders were signing up to a loss and damage fund. And now here we have one. Well, well, the record of COP has, in terms of delivery of really decisive results, hasn't been good. Uh, it's, it's, it's 2009 since this idea of uh, a loss and damage fund was put on the table. It's only now being delivered. But it has been delivered. And maybe the maybe it is dawning on people because from their ordinary uh, observance of, of extreme weather events, the climate problem is getting worse and more decisive action has to be taken. And I hope that 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 will translate into maybe more decisive action here, but the most, at this COP, but I think the most important thing from a a food and agriculture point of view is that a direction has now been set, which I think has the potential to be built upon in coming years. We heard in the news headlines there that Ireland is contributing £225 million in climate finance. The Taoiseach is going to announce money above and beyond that to go into the loss and damage fund later on today. This all, to most people, I would say, sounds like quite a considerable amount of money when we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis here. 
What would you say to anybody asking that question are the advantages of helping the people of, take a region like sub-Saharan Africa, to feed themselves at home in their own homes? Sub-Saharan Africa is faced with huge problems uh, to to get economies going again. Um, agriculture, securing agriculture and rural development has to be central to that. And I think something like this fund as part of a wider approach to helping uh, sub-Saharan Africa is key. And it's key for reasons of self-interest as well. Because I think if we don't... Self-interest for Ireland. Self-interest for Ireland and Europe. Because if we don't uh, enable Africa to grow, to have economies which can keep their own people at home, I'm afraid there will be, uh, over the next 30 years, the migration problem will intensify. This is something that spills into the Mediterranean or the boats in the yes. Mediterranean. It doesn't necessarily just stay at home. Yes. Okay. Tom Arnold, thank you very much for that assessment. You're off to Dubai, are you? Yeah, I'm going for, as part of the uh, official Irish delegation for, for the meeting in very Dubai. Good. Well, yeah. we might talk to you when you come back from okay, that. Thank Tom, thank you very much.